Is this a Wednesday? Every Wednesday. TGI Hump Day, huh? Hump Day. You want a show? Sure, let's start at the beginning. Well, how do you like this? No, not that. You want a show? I'm giving you a show. Make it happen. Make it happen. I'll make it happen. Make it happen, Captain. Oh, I'll make it happen. Always make it happen. Yeah. Let's make it happen. You want a show? I'll give you a show. It's showtime! Welcome on in to 97.5-1280 The Zone. I'm PK. DJ is off. He'll be back tomorrow bigger and better than ever. Well, hopefully not bigger, but better than ever. How about that? We're still evolving for sure on this radio show. Thanks for listening as always. It is Wednesday. It's game day. The Jazz are in the Big Apple to play the New York Knicks tonight. It's got to be another must win, just like Monday night was against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Got to find a way to get this thing done. Go minimum 3-1 and one on this trip. If not 4-0, Friday at Boston will be the big game. And uh, at least on paper, it figures to be the toughest game. So we'll be hitting that. Tim LeColeman, former BYU assistant coach and also does jazz radio for us, did some television over the weekend for the high schools and basketball and their finals and all that stuff. As that was underway, he is going to come in here in a little bit. Right now, what we're going to do, we still got some football we need to talk about. Spring ball is underway. And some media availability was there, and we took advantage of it. So we're going to let you hear from some interviews. We'll start with BYU first. An intriguing prospect, Jaron Hall. It's a grand slam a couple days back for the baseball team and then gets on the football field and is competing to be a quarterback. And it looks like he's got a world of talent. The concussions obviously did him in last year. Hopefully for his sake, he can stay healthy. Here's Jaron Hall with the media. What was the best part about being out there today? Uh, just being back with the guys, you know, being able to compete. It's always fun to see us when we're at our, our highest in competition. So, you know, it's just a good time. And then look off of that, what are you looking forward to most about this season? Uh, just getting better as a team. You know, looking forward to the wonderful schedule we have, the opportunities we have to prove ourselves. So I think that's our focus going into the spring balls to get better and compete every day. How are you going to balance baseball and football? Uh, the best I can. You know, let's work with the coaches and be where I can when I can. What did A-Rod and, and Grimes kind of lay out for you and the rest of the quarterbacks as to what to expect with this competition in, in spring? It just that's competition. You know, no matter where you are, go out and be your best. Every rep you're given, no matter how many there are, you, know, you should just you know, display what you can and just be your best self. Does it feel any different than last year? It seemed like Zach was kind of more of a set one. You were set two. Is, is it? Does it seem more even this year than last year? Um, you know, we're just happy with what we can get. You know, the rep wise. You know, I don't really you know, think about all that. I just go ahead and take the opportunities I'm handed and you know make the most of it. Where are you at health wise? You know, you went through the concussion last year. Where are you at on that regard? Yeah, I'm fully recovered from my concussion. So just trying to keep up maintenance the rest of my body and just you know be as healthy as I can. Is that your first Grand Slam in some time? It's first Grand Slam in my life, yes. yes. Wow, your life. Oh, your life, okay. Hey, every cat gets lucky every now and then. Your brother hit one too, didn't he? Oh, uh, we don't have to bring him up. <laughs> <laughs> He's hanging over my head already. No, he did. He did stuff. How would you assess your, your play uh, last year? You had those two starts yeah. and had to leave early, but how do you feel like you assess your performances? I feel like I came in, I was confident. You know, there's always things to work on, so that's what I'm most focused on. You know, that's in the past, so really just moving forward and, you know, getting better at the things I need to get better at. Explosive plays were a big thing last Last year, what do, you, what do you feel can be maybe the identity of this offense in 2020? Hey, just to compete and have energy. You know, be the best executing team on the field and you know, go win games. How are you enjoying the the BYU experience right now? I mean, because with the transport things like that, I mean, yeah. it'd be easy for a guy that's maybe number two to leave. But how are you enjoying the spot? Yeah, man. I mean, I'm I'm here for for the program, and you know, I love these guys, and I'm gonna give my all. So I think the program's continually getting better, and we're excited for our challenges coming here. What is what are your goals individually for spring ball? 
uh, just to get better, you know, to continue to compete each and every day, um, to push everybody else around me to become a leader and you know, just do, do the best I can with the chances I'm given. There's a lot of receivers that left from a season ago, but some talented young guys. Who were some receivers that maybe you formed some connections with and chemistry that kind of stood out to you? Oh, man, all the, all the young guys. You know, you come in with them. I couldn't name every single one of them. I don't want to leave anybody out, you know. So I'll just say all the all the younger guys coming up, you know, I came in with. And, you know, we've just been able to bond off the field and on the field ever since then. You know, but we're going to miss. We'll miss our seniors, man. They're a huge role in our team. We love them, and you know, they're invaluable to us. So. Do you feel like you have a better handle this year of being able to balance spring football with baseball just because you've been through it and you've kind of you've seen what works, what doesn't work, and, and kind of how to sort of navigate it? Yeah, I think so. I just, I just think I know what to expect, you know, uh, physically and mentally, you know, going into, you know, jumping from football to baseball. So I'm excited to, to kind of handle it a little better than last year and, you know, not be so blindsided by, you know, some of the things that come with doing both. What used to keep you on in shape? It does, it does. Hopefully, at least. That's what they tell me. So we'll see. That was Jaron Hall up next. Another Kafusi, a million of those Kafusis, right? They're like ants at a picnic, are they not? Yeah, this one, Isaiah, on the defensive side, made some plays a couple years ago, made some plays last year, and uh, should expect to have a bigger role for sure. Here's Isaiah Kafusi. What was the best part about being out there today? Oh, just playing football again. Um, you know, don't know when football's going to end for me, and uh, it's just good to be out there with my brothers and playing football again. That's like the highlight of, of what I'm doing right now. So, absolutely. Then going off of that, what is it that you're most excited for heading into this season? Yeah, I think I'm excited to just you know see how our season unfolds. You know, it's um, got a solid group of guys, got a great team and great leadership, and got great schemes coming in. So, I'm um, just really excited to go out and prove a lot of people wrong, and to just do what we do best and have some fun with it. Speaking of schemes, is, are there going to be changes defensively this year the way you guys line up? Yeah, we're, we're just trying to test things out and, and uh, figure out kind of the best defense for, for the guys that we have. And, uh, you know, we just want to figure out what's what's going to be the best. So we're, we're mixing it up and just learning, really just learning football so that we understand it, the game better. But, yeah. Was there a lot of mixing it up today or was it more same old, same old? Yeah, uh, there, was, there was both. Uh, we mixed it up, but we also, you know, took, took today pretty slow and installed just a couple things and um, really ran some basic stuff, so. What did that loss in, in the Hawaii Bowl do maybe for the, the work you guys have put in since that loss in Honolulu? Yeah, it's definitely uh, it wasn't great to lose the last game of the season and uh, kind of fueled a lot of guys' fires. And so we were really pumped up to get back. And um, it kind of you know helped spark and it lit this fire you know in the offseason that we just had to get better. And, um, you know, it, that game kind of showed us a lot of weaknesses and things that we, you know, were just kind of struggled at and exposed a lot of um, different guys. And so uh, I think a lot of guys were just excited to get back at it and, and really, you know, get better. Does that truly make a, like a play? Yeah. Uh, make an interception? Uh, you know how much how much improvement have you seen in him? Yeah, Troy, Troy's phenomenal. I mean, he's really been one of those guys that took that loss to heart, and um, he's stepped up and he's worked extremely hard. He's been a solid leader for the team, and really, he's taken a lot of guys under his wing. And, and um, you know, he he understands you know kind of moving forward that he's going to be gone, and kind of wants to better the program. So he's you know helped a lot of guys out, and a lot of guys have rallied around him. So he's, he's been a great great addition. You know, we haven't had him the last couple of years, but um, glad that he's back. As a leader, have you kind of made it a point to keep in touch with Chaz as he's going through his, his situation off the field? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's still, you know, a teammate and a brother. And, um, you know, we had a team meeting and, and just kind of, you know, 
called Chaz and I wanted to make sure that he was there and, and we've had several conversations on the phone just let him know that we love him and uh, I mean you know we make mistakes and, and guys you know have struggled and yeah, I, I just you know wanted to make sure that he knows that we love him and he's been around and he knows you know kind of that we're, we're there to help him instead of really diminish and, and degrade what he's done. To see guys who want to still be around the team and around school and everything, even when they're going through stuff like that. I mean, you know, last year and yeah. this year and that kind of thing, to see them still kind of want to want to be around. Is that a little? Oh, yeah, yeah, I think so. And I, I think that it, it shows kind of the brotherhood that we have, you know, and when guys do mess up. And, um, you know, we, we try to preach about accountability and we, we want to hold guys accountable. Um, but at the same time, you know, that accountability is also lifting them up and, you know, helping them to just be better. Kalani's big on creating havoc as a defense. What do you feel like you and this defense can do to create more big plays and, and opportunities of pressure? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we're going we're gonna to try and mix it up, um, get great pressure. And, and really rush the quarterback and bring a lot of different blitzes and then also, uh, you know, create kind of mismatches on the defensive side, trying to, you know, expose quarterbacks, young quarterbacks, and really, you know, just create turnovers is probably the biggest thing. All right, that was Isaiah Kafusi. Now, BYU receiver Neil Powell. We know he did not play last year, had some off-the-field issues. And last year, or two years ago, actually, I was talking to somebody, and he said to me, you know, Neil Powell is going to be as good as any receiver we've had here in a good long while. So he didn't play last year. They lost some receivers this year. They need some playmakers out on the outside. He's got size. Can he be difference maker? And also, he's gone through some struggles. He reflects on that. Here's Neil Powell. Uh, for sure, tough. Uh, lonely. Try to figure out some things, but I think it's been probably the biggest learning experience for me just overall. Uh, outside of football, trying to figure out what I want to do after with God and spiritual relationships. So a bunch of different things which has been super, super good for me. So, yeah. What's it like dealing with consequences of decisions and things like you had to deal with? You know, um, it, wasn't, you know it wasn't an easy situation. Yeah. No, you for sure have to grow up, I guess, faster than probably you want to, especially with the media trying to <laughs> seek out some answers and stuff. But um, you definitely learn a lot just about yourself. You have the strength of your family, friends, which first and foremost, I want to thank everyone along the process from when it happened in June to, to where I'm at now, um, I want to thank my flag football team that I joined, uh, basketball guys that I played Tuesdays and, or Mondays and Thursdays, um, the football guys on the team, and especially parents, um, and then people from my mission, and then my own siblings as well. I want to thank everyone uh, for just sticking with me and telling me just to continue to press forward type deal. So it's been way, way good, and just excited to be back and back with the team. How big of an impact was Butch? Just, I mean, he's uh, he been was, through the football year. Yeah, so I have God, parents, of course, but he's kind of just been, in a sense, my rock. He, we grew up together, fought together. Um, so whenever I needed something, whether it was just clarity or just, I guess, some moral support, I went to him for sure about everything. So, Why are you wearing him. a red hat? Oh, it was just kind of the outfit that I decided today. Um, <laughs> I don't know, Red kind of just went with everything, so that's why I'm wearing it. So. What do you think you could bring to the wide receiver group this year? Uh, I'm just excited just to be back. Um, there's going to be a lot of learning even for me. I know even if I practice today, there will be a little rust, but I'm excited just to be back, and I know what I can do. I just want to put that forward and show the coaches that they can trust me in certain situations and stuff. Why weren't you practicing today? Uh, so insurance. Insurance policy hit me today this morning at like 1130, so 
try to figure it out all before practice on the phone with a bunch of people, but hopefully by tomorrow I'll be able to go. Even though you weren't able to play, we saw you on the sideline, it seemed mm-hmm. like every every game last year. How yeah. hard is it to just you know not be able to get in the game and have to watch your team from the sideline? Yeah, I think the fake it till you make it type deal was for sure one of the, I guess, phrases that I kept in my head that sooner than later, time heals all wounds and time was able just to come to where I'm at now uh, and happy just to be back. Was there ever a point in time where you thought, you know, I might not come back, I might just go somewhere else? Um, I, it, it crosses your mind for sure. Um, the thought of leaving probably wasn't as uh, big just because my brother told me to stay, but then Kalani. Uh, Kalani's probably the biggest reason I ended up did like staying. You touched on this a little bit, but mm-hmm. what did you kind of learn about yourself during the last year when you didn't have football? Because it's always been there for yeah. pretty much your whole life. You learn, I guess, what the next step. A lot of people don't know what to do outside of football and their next steps and next going. So hopefully I was able just to figure out some of that stuff. And, oh, the last thank you, I want to thank uh, First Colony Mortgage. Um, I was able to work with them and a bunch of people that are there. If you need uh, mortgages and stuff settled, then you should go to them type deal. But they've been super, super thankful. I want to thank them and especially the owner, Corey, for sure. So so have you stayed in school and are you close to graduating? Yeah, so hopefully with this semester and then spring and summer terms, I should be able to graduate this December is my goal. What in? Uh, exercise and wellness with a minor in business. So. We shall see how it goes. You kind of mentioned this with Sean, but how much, how much more, you know, sitting out of here did you, did you gonna help you appreciate, you know, the, the times that you can play? I think for sure a lot. You just learn a lot about yourself. Thankful for a lot of things that you were blessed with that you took for advantage or took for the word is granted. Yeah, I took for granted. So that was a lot. You're not the only one that's, of course, made mistakes or yeah. choices you wish you had back. And had a recent situation with a teammate where mm-hmm. he made maybe some decisions that weren't the best. Yeah. What's it like having gone through that to being able to be there to help other guys that maybe go through situations where they made mistakes or bad choices? And so it, it. it was cool when Chaz... Um, when that all happened, he wasn't the first person that's hit me up. There's friends from back home and friends that I've made out here that have hit me up about their own situations with DUIs. So it's been cool just to be able to relate not only the process, but then the learning pains that grow with it. And if they're serious about overcoming that, then it's been it's been super, super cool to be able to find certain people that are not part of football, certain girls that they've been able to overcome it as well. All right, that's BYU receiver Neil Powell. Not to be outdone. We're going to go to the University of Utah offensive coordinator Andy Ludwig, who had an excellent season calling plays. Now he's got some new quarterbacks and obviously some a new running back. New running backs, and they're not necessarily new, but they won't. Uh, I don't know that they'll be able to replace individually the greatness that was that running back last year. We know about that, but I think it'll be more of a committee. Uh, maybe somebody emerges. We'll see how that plays out, see who actually can replace Moss if they have to go by several guys. They've got a bunch of guys. So let's get to Andy Ludwig and hear what he has to say. The world changed now, obviously. I mean, you have a Texas transfer and a South Carolina transfer in the program. Did you ever think things would get to that that day? I mean, is that just... it's a it's a little different, but that, that's the day and age that we're in, and uh, I'm glad they're here. I know that. Andy, is it um, is it tough to glean anything in terms of the quarterbacks just because you guys aren't in full pads? You've, you know, you're not even in, in shells yet. Really, is it tough to glean anything until you know these guys are facing pressure? You know, from a D line. Well, that's, it's good just to see them throw. You know, I haven't seen the two two throw in person since the since the bowl practices, and never seen Jake throw in person uh, other than 
couple games from the press box in the SEC, but uh, it's good to have a ball out here and work with them as opposed to what we've been doing in February. What were your first impressions of just their throwing motion? Guys did a good job. Yeah, they did a good job. Yeah, they all spin it real well, and, uh, you know, we'll just day one should look pretty good, so they, they did a nice job. Kim was talking about um, he was up in the box during home games last year, yeah. as you call plays. Um, how important was it for him um, to get that experience to see how you operate, to see how the offense operates? Well, I think it's I think it's just a unique perspective that you can give uh, a quarterback uh, to see the game from that vantage point, see the mechanics and how the things operate, and it just, I think, a greater appreciation for all the logistics of calling yeah. a game. Was that your idea? Just that was sure. my idea, yeah. We've done that uh, one other time with the quarterback, and it was a real positive. Last year you were coming in here to install your offense. Now you've kind of installed it into this program. What changes now that you have some guys that have been in your system for a year and kind of have that familiarity? Well, the whole emphasis this this spring is just not doing any really a whole lot of new things. There's a couple of wrinkles, but nothing substantially new to the system and just refining the details and the techniques and the assignments of everything within the existing structure. It's a running back like right now. Obviously, Zach is gone. He did so much. And then a guy like DHC is also gone. What's the dynamic in the room like as you try to figure that out? I think it's a competitive room. And uh, there's only one ball. We're a single back team. So there's a lot of guys that are working very hard and very focused and hungry. Um, is it unfair to, to ask any of those guys to try to replicate what Zach did for so many years here? They got to be the best that they can be. I'm not worried about the next Zach Moss. I'm worried about you know the individual maximizing his skill set and his potential. And uh, I think the guys are all in tune with that. They they, they got to be the best that they can be. That was Andy Ludwig, Utah offense coordinator. Spring ball ongoing. We'll have the interview interviews for you throughout spring ball for sure. Each time they have media availability. Coming up next, we're gonna have Dave Rose. Dave Rose talking about. University of Utah basketball program and the transfers and and really what needs to be done. Three levels of recruiting now to add players to your program that coaches need to be aware of. Stay with us. We'll get to that next. 97.5, 1280, The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome on in, 97.5, 1280, The Zone. Thanks for listening to us on this early Wednesday morning. DJ's off on PK. Dave Rose. Talk to Dave Rose, former BYU basketball coach, all about Utah and about rebuilding a program and how transfers impact your program negatively and positively and what do the need, Utes need to do to get on track, what BYU needs to do to keep on track, all those things. Here's Dave Rose. Uh, Utah situation. We know what they did, and it's somewhat of a curse because you, you see that in places you know, UNLV's had to deal with it for years. UCLA's had to deal with it when they had such enormous success. And you don't match that success. The people who were there then and who are there now, like, okay, what, you know, what's going on here? And we know that Larry, Larry faced the same situation you guys faced. What were you in 97 when he took over this job? 
uh, it was at the bottom. And both programs, Larry and his staff and Steve Cleveland and you, did phenomenal jobs building that thing in a relatively short amount of time and getting them in the NCAAs pretty quick from where you were because you guys were awful. And now he's slumping again. And, you know, he doesn't have any veterans whatsoever. And it is a product to some degree of players leaving and what you call them the program players that, and I thought you did an excellent job, and we're seeing it this year. These are your program players. Celius and Nixon, these guys are seniors and making massive contributions off the bench. And I talked to Celius uh, a week before last, and I said, hey, your role that you got now, when you're coming out of high school, did you foresee yourself doing this? <laughs> and he was honest. He said, no, you yeah. know, because you think you're all that. Right. And then you get in there and you see, well, wait a second, this guy's good, this guy's good. I mean, where do I fit in? All of a sudden here, I'm not going to be this first-round draft choice, and I'm not all that. But I can make a valuable contribution. And Larry doesn't have that. Um, What do you think needs to happen? Because Utah at its core, football is huge now, but I still think Utah at its core is a basketball school and they've been so good for so many years going back 50 60 70 years they've been really good and now you know they're gonna they're six and eleven in the conference obviously it's just not good well i'll tell you the first thing is that uh and you'll hear this all the time and and you know fans will say that coaches use it as an excuse or whatever but it's just the truth you need to get old and you need to stay old and that's the difficult thing in college basketball now um, to stay old. I, I, will, I will tell you this, that in my experience, 36 years uh, of coaching high school, junior college, and Division One basketball, the challenge of taking a, uh, a program that's in a tough spot and moving it forward is a lot easier than the challenge of once you've moved it to a level to uh-huh. keep it there. Yeah, okay. It's much more difficult because there's so many – there's just so many personalities and so many moving parts that you have to control. And most of it now is your players and trying to keep your players there. I mean, it used to be that that it was kind of a scarlet letter for a player to transfer. If you had a transfer next to the, this guy's got an issue or a problem, we got 900 of these kids transferring now every year. And so it's it's like, okay, if things aren't going right, then the options are – Let's go somewhere else. And they're going to make it even easier. It's going to pass eventually that yeah. kids are going to get one free pass. You right, know? right, right. Got you. Yeah, you get to, uh, if you're eligible, academically eligible, and you're in good standing with the school, that you can transfer one time and not have to sit out. And more kids are going to, you're going to try it. And, and um, you know, if, if, if you look at a lot of the real high-end players, they've gone to two or three high schools you know, and played on two or three different AAU teams. And so it's part of the game. And so if you're going to lose your players um, after a year or two or three, then you have to find a way to replace them with experienced players. And I think that's, that's probably, uh, you know, where, where Larry and, and his staff, they've, they've got a lot of freshmen, a lot of young guys, uh, and they need to, to supplement that, that roster with some uh, experienced transfer guys. You look at Coach Pope and just the one, you know, the, 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 the one player in Alex Barcelo, the transfer from Arizona, who had played two years and hadn't played a lot, 
at Arizona, but had been through a Division One program and a really successful Division One program. And he stepped right in when it was ready to contribute and play starters minutes. And then obviously you get the WAC Player of the Year and Jake uh, Toulson. And look what that addition has done to that group of guys. I think the same thing can happen at Utah. It's probably um, you need to recruit those high school kids and, and, and have them coming in. But uh, and they they have a really good class coming in, but maybe that needs to be supplemented. And I don't know the whole program. I mean, I haven't been through it. And but uh, from the outside, it would look like, you know, uh, maybe the the um, you know the, the the player of the year from the Big West and the player of the year from the <laughs> Big Sky <laughs> transferring in there might really help that team. <laughs> yeah, because you know they're talking about being young, but then they're talking about this great recruiting class. And okay. So these young guys couldn't get you over the top. But you got this great recruiting class, but now those guys, they're going to be just as young as these guys. So it becomes a perpetual cycle. Yeah. And how do you get out of it? it it's hard. You got you got to you got to get a couple older guys to come and maybe it's grad, you know, senior transfers and uh, you you remember they had a, a little point guard up there I think from Long Beach State they a couple did. years yeah, yeah, ago. Yeah. Oh my goodness, he came in and yeah. really stepped up and right. and took them to uh, you know good places. And so I, I think that uh, uh, they're just a player or two, uh, an experienced player or two, and 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 you know fans want to know well what what does what does an experienced guy you know do that that maybe a talented guy can't do. Well, just look around the NCAA right now and and where they are, all the teams and the upsets, the top 10 teams that are being beat by unranked teams, they're all teams that are playing with underclassmen, young yeah. young players. And I heard that there was 29, I think, uh, upsets this year of unranked teams beating ranked teams. So somebody told me, I don't know if this is true, if DJ was here, he could find it in like a second. <laughs> but uh, something like 60-some-odd players, over 60 players, put their names in the draft this year and didn't get drafted and didn't go back to college. Seems and you, like just, a waste. You, you just take that many kids out of programs across the country and then you look to see – you got so you fill them with younger guys and that's what's happening is that uh, – you know, teams are getting beat at places where they usually don't get. Yeah, beat. and I think that is uh, Arizona's situation. I, I I think they've. I can't say they made a mistake because these kids are four and five stars, so you recruit them, but they come in as freshmen and then they leave, and they're not good. There may be great pros down the line, and they would certainly be great juniors and seniors, but they'll never get there. So Sean Miller's bringing in these guys. Pace Mannion's kid is one of them, yeah. and he's all that, but he's still a freshman, and there and he's playing along other freshmen, which compounds the issue because now you got all these freshmen here, and they're supposed to have these outrageous expectations, and they're having a decent season, but they're not having. Oh man, they're not having. Let's be knocking down the door of the Final Four, and it just kind of festers and grows, and it and it mushrooms. And it becomes, they get swallowed up by this stuff. And then they'll leave, and then he'll do it again. And it just seems like that's not the cycle you want to be in. Yep. And, and, and in, in, in some, at some places, it's a cycle you have to be in because to keep your job, you have to sign those kind of players. Right. If you just sign three-star players at Arizona, you're not going to be there very long. You know? And so you have to sign the five-star, the four-star guys. I think you know the key to that whole situation is those three and a half four star guys to keep them there, you know, uh, 
you know, for the the full four years. Yeah, but then years. they lose Barcelo. And and that, but that's what happens. You bring yeah. a five star guy in, right? And this kid hasn't played a lot the first two years, right. and he thinks this kid's coming over the top, and so it's going to make it more and more difficult. And it just seems to me like, well, I, I know it's 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 just a fact that that you you have to have three different kind of pipelines of. Uh, your recruiting, you know, philosophy, and one is in, uh, you know, the freshman traditional how you recruiting guys, and then you got to, you know, get these grad transfers, and now there's going to be a third one because all transfers are going to get a year, uh, or get one transfer for free, and so you just need to know who you know what's available i think right now you you can go through and find all of the fifth year kids or kids that are going to be fifth year uh seniors that will have graduated because you can go through and find the red shirts you can find the kids that have transferred and sat out a year and you know that whole list of players and then they'll start to say declare if they're going to leave or not the part of it that gets a little you know uh dicey is that do do programs start recruiting those kids before they declare yeah, that's that they what want i was going to ask you how's that work because that's illegal i know but it, are you then too late if you're not having some type of informal contact or some form of i don't know how it works that's that's where the you know the aau coaches and all those people who are associated with the kid you know come in contact because you know you're, you're not supposed to you know have any contact with the player or any of the player's representatives or the, the people, but uh, there's there's a lot of conversation that goes on throughout a season. Right. Okay. So then uh, that that has become a necessary evil. You got no choice. I don't. Th- I don't think you can fight it. You know anymore. I, I think it's something that uh, is. You know, it's really. You, been popular in football and especially with quarterbacks in the NCAA bouncing around you know yeah. when Russell Wilson left you know um, wherever he left and went to Wisconsin NC first, State and the NC State and went yeah. to with and uh, you know he has an all-American year there and uh, it, it, it and, and there's so many of these guys that have so much success in maybe a bigger school or a more prestigious school um, but there's also a lot of kids that you know that that don't have the senior year that they would have had if they stayed. So it is a uh, it, it's a, a real issue in college basketball, and it's something that everybody's trying to adjust to. But I think in uh, in some cases it can really be a benefit if you get you know I I, I remember when Lon Kruger got his kid from Arizona State. Yeah. Uh, you know Kevin was playing at Arizona State, and I thought that okay, now we're going to play UNLV the next year, and they're going to have a freshman point guard, and bam, they signed Kevin, and you know they they end up having a senior point guard that's really experienced, and and a freshman point guard that's really really talented, and so uh, they kind of skipped that step of of a, of a year where I, right. I thought they might be down a little bit. Do you have a problem with the the free transfer rule? Well. You know, I, I I do think that everybody has a point that coaches can you know take up and they they can leave and I I think there's probably, uh, in my opinion and and my belief that there's probably some uh, common ground there that uh, you could come to. I think it's probably way too um, radical to just let everyone transfer one time, and it's probably you know way too strict to not let a kid 
transfer when his coach leaves. You know, there's probably somewhere in that area there should be uh, an adjustment made. But but I think we're going to go straight to the fact that all these kids get one time transfer. All right, Dave Rose. Coming up next, we're going to hear more from Dave Rose. And we're going to call, talk about BYU and a great job Mark Pope has done. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back in, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Wednesday, we give away tickets. How about you listen for your chance to win tickets to the Goo Goo Dolls. Goo Goo Dolls are hitting the road this summer with special guests Lifehouse and Forrest Black and on the Miracle Pill Summer Tour. Don't miss your chance to experience it live on Tuesday, July 28th at USANA Amphitheater. Tickets are now on sale. Purchase your tickets at LiveNation.com and you can listen for that opportunity. I'm going to have Tim Lacombe, one of your former assistants, and he of the uh, impressions will be in. And he probably knows the name of all the Goo Goo Dolls, too. Yes, he's a big-time uh, <laughs> big musician. <laughs> yeah, and he's got a band going on. He's got a big birthday coming up in yeah, May yes, he does. that uh, I'm looking forward to. That's the voice of former BYU coach Dave Rose, uh, who's now. i, I got to imagine that uh, you, know, you feel some sense of pride for the Cougars because not only did you recruit everybody who's playing except for Barcelo, I don't know, maybe you recruited him out of high school but because uh, he's from the Phoenix area too. But everybody else you literally brought into the program, and you brought Mark Pope into the program. What was he? Was he at Georgia? He was at Wake, Wake Forest, Forest at the time. He was a, he was a uh, D-Ops guy at Georgia for Mark Fox for uh, a year or two, and then he went over to uh, Wake Forest with Coach uh, Bezdelic, Jeff Bezdelic, who is now with the Rockets, but he was at Air Force for years. Uh, was the head coach of yeah, Wake. Yeah, sure, sure, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, a little uh, crusty dude. Yeah, he's a really <laughs> defensive guy. I think I think he does all the defense for, for Houston, and most people say they don't play any defense, but uh, it is a uh, – when, when, when Jeff actually left um, for 10, 12 games last year, uh, the players went and recruited him back because they, they, they said we need the guy or, you know, he's – He's the guy that's the magician behind our defensive approach to what they do, and uh, so he actually came back and is is coaching with. And you uh, brought Pope in as a full time assistant, correct? Yep. Yeah, we we uh, uh, I think it was Dave Rice. Um, oh, he took Dave Dave's spot. Dave left uh, to take the UNLV head job, uh-huh. and then uh, we had Mark. Had Mark for four years, and he he took the the, the got the Utah Valley job. Uh, that's one of the things of, 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 I mean, there's so many things that were good for me at BYU. I mean, I was there at a great time and got some really good players, but I actually had three assistant coaches that got head jobs from BYU. And that's, that's hard to do because BYU is kind of in a little box. Uh, and, you know, you usually to get your head job, you have to leave as an assistant and then earn your way somewhere. Um, but the Dave Rice, Mark Pope and Heath Schroyer all got, all three got, uh, Division one head jobs uh, from BYU, and I, I thought that was a, 
uh, a, a real credit to those guys, and they were you know great assistants for me. That's for sure. What's interesting is that sometimes they hire quote unquote BYU guys, but not always. I mean, I don't think Bronco Mendenhall was a BYU guy. He was a former assistant, but you know he wasn't a BYU guy. And Steve Cleveland wasn't a BYU guy. And sure enough, both those guys leave. Now, you weren't a BYU guy yourself. Everybody knows you played at the University of Utah, or uh, Houston, I mean, with uh, Olajuwon and Drexler in that game with Thurl. I mean, that's legendary. Everybody understands that. And you chose to stay and retire at the job. And you had opportunities to leave. I mean, they were... I don't know if folks know, but you know I certainly knew that you were offered other jobs. There's no doubt about it. Multiple times, and you evaluated the situations, and uh, you obviously you turned them down, and you stayed your coaching career and finished it up there. I don't know, maybe you'll get back into it, but for now, anyway, you're uh, you retired at BYU. Mark Pope is not a BYU guy, and really nobody on his staff is is a BYU guy. They all they all turned BYU down. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> That's the funny thing. Because I, rec- yeah. <laughs> I recruited Nick. Robinson, and he ended up at Stanford. He was from Missouri. I recruited Chris Burgess. You know, we just barely got there, you know, and he had already already signed, so I didn't really recruit him. But I, I, I talked to his dad a lot about the process to try to gather information about how BYU had recruited sure. him. Sure, Ken, yeah. And then... Uh, well, when he, he transferred, he didn't transfer to BYU. Yeah, and then Mark, um, you know, he, uh, he, he had Tony Ingle... Had expressed interest in him, but Mark had no interest in BYU at the time. At least that's the way he explained it to me. And I used to always tell Mark, I said, "Hey, if you were coming out of Washington, out of Seattle now, with uh, with our staff and what we've done, we'd we'd have got you to come to BYU." <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, we we got him uh, uh, to come be an assistant coach, and now he's the head coach. And I, I'm sure, you know, with this nice run that he's put together, it won't be long until. He'll be faced with that same situation. You know, what am I going to do? You know, am I going to uh, stay or am I going to, you know, take off and try it somewhere else? I, I know he would probably take the University of Kentucky job as alma mater if if that came up, but uh, uh, I think that, that that's Calipari's job for life. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, he's still that's, in his fifties, isn't he? So that's probably not going to come up for a while. But so with that in mind, uh, you know, you face that situation. If he were to come to you and say, hey, you know, fill in the school blank, whatever, whatever school's out there, who knows. Uh, I got a good thing here. But, you know, this opportunity here and no honor code, more money, uh, maybe a higher profile conference. Although that's why I think it's really cool to see San Jose State and Dayton and these Big East teams that are really good. They're not in these football conferences uh, and they're doing really well. And uh, Gonzaga, Mark Few, has just built a national power, an international power, when you talk about all the foreign guys that he's been able to get. So certainly you can win at a higher level, at a very high level anyway. But you got this, and you've been in that same boat. What are you telling him? Well, you know, he, he's uh, he's early in his BYU career, and so I think that's that'll play uh, a little bit into it um, as far as the fact that, that he's got – guys that are committed that are coming that you know he probably really wants to coach uh for me you know that was probably uh, the 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 biggest reason why you know I stayed was BYU was so good to me obviously it's such a unique place 
but the connection that I had with that group of players at the time, uh, and I had guys on missions, you know, that had committed to me that were going to come and play the year and all these, di- you know, different things. And, and uh, so, you know, Mark, he'll have to weigh all that. You know, I, I'm sure none of that is in his mind right now. And his mind right now is trying to figure out how he's going to manage, you know, 10 or 11 days without playing a game and then play the biggest game of his, you know, life uh, next Monday. But uh, it'll happen. And, and when it does, um, you know, your gut kind of tells you what to do. And hopefully your gut's right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you. I assume for you, you're you were content. It worked out great. Worked yeah. out great for me. And I, you know, I, I had a lot of other things on my plate. And when when the opportunities came up, one of the things I was battling cancer, and I had my all my doctors right here at Huntsman who were just terrific for me and have been terrific and have will still continue to be terrific. And you know, I, I thought about that six month MRI if I was, you know, trying to fly from somewhere in the Midwest or back East and uh, try to manage all that and still coach the team. So, the, I mean, there's a lot of things for me that uh, uh, jumped in, but uh, my relationship with those players is what uh, I think eventually uh, really, you know, kept me here. One of the things that bugs me about BYU is that... Just one? I know. I said one of <laughs> okay. the oh, things. Okay, one of the things. <laughs> it's less as I get older, and I'm not dealing with it day-to-day <laughs> like I did when I was at the newspaper. But is they, they almost take to the point of bragging that we're not going to pay our guys top dollar. And, you know, I get it. They're not going to get in this big arms race. And the Pac-12 is not getting in an arms race relative to its coaches getting other jobs. We see Tucker leave for Michigan State, basically doubling his salary. We see Leach leave. We've seen a number of assistant coaches uh, who've taken coordinator jobs in the SEC or ACC or whatever it might be, and they're going to get pay raises. So the Pac-12 has come out and said that, uh, that you know we're looking for a comprehensive athletic program, not just dumping all of our money into this. I think it's a little bit uh, hypocritical because then they're paying guys like uh, Graham down at Arizona State, McIntyre at Colorado, they're paying him ten million dollars buyout yeah. to not coach. <laughs> so I mean that's just you know life changing money to 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 do that type of stuff. Uh, so and they're only doing that for the sake of winning to pay these outrageous buyouts. So a little bit of talking out of both sides of their mouths. But the point is for BYU now going forward here with this money just being astronomical uh, in football and men's basketball, what do you do in that situation? How do you just turn down that kind of dough? Or can BYU maybe not match it but get it ballpark so your quality of life and your lifestyle and everything is similar, even though at place B you may be making a little bit more, but you still are making some huge change here to where it, it, you know you don't have any problem turning that down. Well, I, I think the the main thing, Pat, is that if you if you if your decision is going to be based solely on money, you'll probably leave because. Um, you know the the money's going to be better somewhere else, and, and and which doesn't really make a lot of sense when you when when you realize that BYU is owned by the church, and the church has got a 
hundred billion dollars <laughs> somewhere. I mean, they could actually pay the guy, if right? They, right. If, if that was their main, you know, objective. But uh, I think that they want they want the guy to be there because he really wants to be there, and they they're they're, they're going to pay him and you know take good care of him. But it's it's it, it, you can always. Uh, if you have the opportunity and there is an offer, there's always probably going to be more money somewhere else. Right. And so you don't make it solely on that. But if it's a, you know, other stuff, these, these coaches that went to Virginia, a slew of assistants, I'm getting double. And it's not, say, $1.5 million to $2 million. You know, you're $1.5, you're, you're making it. It is 90000 to 250000 I mean that's literally what it was, or one hundred fifty thousand to three hundred fifty thousand, because they told me that's what it was. So I mean I've got numbers based on. So it's not just you as the head coach in the football. You need all that, but also too, the, the re- relying on speaking to the guys after they left from Virginia, and you know I had developed relationships with them. They're talking about the other stuff. It's not just the bottom dollar, bottom line dollar figure. It is the recruiting budgets and some other stuff from your expect from your not expectation but from your insight from your knowledge how much has BYU risen that other stuff because you need that other stuff to be able to succeed at the level that everybody not only wants but everybody demands you succeed at that level. Yeah, and I think that uh, from my experience there uh, for 22 years in the basketball program, uh, I always felt as an assistant coach when I was the associate head coach and when I was the head coach, I always felt like um, you know the budget was not an issue in recruiting, in traveling, in you know how we how we uh, you know took care of our players as as far as you know per diem and all those things. I always felt like we were on par or close to on par with, you know, anything the NCAA would allow you to do. Um, and But w- but when you're talking about, um, you know, coaches' salaries, uh, I, I think you, you're always going to be in a position where there's probably somewhere else that's going to pay a little bit more. I, I remember when the NCAA, um, you know, changed the rule and, and, and you got to get um, your scholarship plus the cost of attendance. And our cost of attendance came back as one of the you know, top five in the West Coast because of how the formula worked, and that went straight to the student athletes. and And so I always felt, you know, really comfortable about, you know, going into people's homes and recruiting the kids and telling them that, hey, we'll take care of, you know, your kids as as well as anybody can, you know, possibly do with under under you know under the rules. So, uh, I mean, they're in it to win it. They're they're in it to play. You know, uh, at, at at a high level. But uh, I, I always believe that um, you know if if it's if if it's money is going to be the coach's number one concern that he'll probably leave. Yeah, I always felt that you know the administration, Brian Santiago and Tom Homo, they're in it to win it. Yeah, Those absolutely. Guys, you know, absolutely. I have no doubt that the, the athletic the, administration the, the, is competitive as anybody else's. The fight that they that they put on on, on a daily basis to get what we need. Right is tremendous it's, right it's just uh, uh it's second to none and, and they you know there's times when they're told no and all right we won't discuss this anymore and so let's fight another battle and when that happens that's what they'll tell us and then we'll move on but um 
most of those things don't concern money. Most of those yeah. concern uh, principle and other stuff, tradition. <laughs> yeah. Know, and things. So the bottom line, and this is very important for whoever, is that you feel that BYU will do what it can do and what it needs to do to field a competitive program. Absolutely, and then they will continue to do it. And right now, with the excitement being at the level that it is, especially in the basketball program. Uh, it'll be tough to it'll be tough to you know to take off and uh, but hey you know the most important thing right now is trying to win that game on Monday. That was former BYU basketball coach Dave Rose. We thank him spending some time with us. Coming up next, what's trending? Some big games last night in the National Basketball Association. We'll get to them, preview what the Jazz have in store for them today in New York. Stay with us. 7 o'clock hours coming up next, 97.5, 1280 The Zone.